it's easy to make good choices when you have good insights, right? Well, AppSlyer's open platform provides the measurement, analytics, engagement, and fraud protection technologies you need to get the answers to all of your questions and make good choices for your business and customers. Is customer privacy important for you? Good. With AppSlyer, you can accurately measure your marketing while protecting customer privacy. Bringing in new customers is great. Getting accurate insights while protecting your customers' privacy is even better. AppSlyer's privacy-preserving measurement and cost aggregation technologies give you insights you can count on across channels, platforms, and devices. And here's something we all agree on. When it comes to the marketing, you should only pay for what works. AppSlyer's incremental lift testing makes it easy to make good choices for your marketing budget through accurate, unbiased insights into the true value of your marketing outcomes. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do, do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward slash DOF for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad, ad products, and a company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands, having a kind of an all-in-one platform. You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. All right, we are live. I've been waiting to do this podcast for a long time. Ethan, Levi, Levi. I always want to say Levi. It's <laughs> Levi. Okay. Ethan, Ethan Levi. Levi. Everyone else is Levi. Everybody for else some is reason. Levi, but this is an Ethan yeah. Levi. Yeah. Executive producer at Network, working on your first blockchain game. And people know you from before as the king of free-to-play. You've done amazing <laughs> games. Uh, legendary, probably the highlight of them all. Yeah, uh, legendary game of heroes, just fantastic economy, one of the best uh, puzzle RPG games ever. And your talks, as we've stated many times on this podcast, are the highlight of any GDC and Thank every you. GDC. So, <laughs> no, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a joy to listen to and uh, an honor to be here. Oh my god, let's 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 ease on. This. <laughs> let's, Ethan okay. is saying like so for the for the listeners. Ethan is saying this because he's next in line to be the co-host <laughs> on Twig. 
He, he Mishka, is, have he, I told you you look especially small today? You look very small. He's waiting for Adam Telfer to slip. <laughs> he's like, Adam Telfer, you slip a little bit. Ethan Lee is taking your spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's anyways, um, uh, so, so I'm the Neanderthal. Like, the market is moving so fast. I'm still in that free-to-play mobile sphere thinking that that's all, you know, that's that's the uh, the hot hot jazz but the real thing is blockchain games so this episode i'm the dummy and you're gonna tell me what's going on and we have a rules of engagement so this is from eric suford he said <laughs> i'm misquoting him but basically i'm allowed to mute you at any point right. if, you, if, you, if you go on a rant about something yeah. decentralized yeah it's uh i don't think i will you should have a bell to ding mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I have to instantly stop using jargon. That's... I think I think I have like all kinds of like I have like a <laughs> have like clapping and drum lo- rolls, and I'm this is like a this is like a legit podcast. Like I have all the production right. tools here that right. I can't. <laughs> can you... Anyways, well, the whenever audience... I'm being an ass, just make mm-hmm. a fart noise. Okay, <laughs> okay. The audience <laughs> is already like, shut the fuck up and start talking about <laughs> blockchain. So let's go. Yeah. I'm going to ask you questions and because I'm so stupid, I'm going to ask multiple questions about the same thing. And then we also have maybe like 20 questions from DOF community from the Slack channel. A lot of great questions. So thank you everybody for contributing. I'm not going to say the names because there's such a long list on the, on the crypto channel. Anyways. And I'll, I'll do my best. I don't, I mean, I don't, this market is big, new, moving fast. Mm -hmm. And there are people who've been like into blockchain for years and I'm maybe mm-hmm. nine, nine to 12 months into it. So I think yeah. I'm uh, a moderate, hopefully I get everything right. But, um, you know, there's I a don't... difference. Those people yeah. who have been long in the business, long in the tooth of crypto, yeah. they don't know fuck about making games. You right. know, you know a lot about making good games, a yeah. lot about running superb live operations on free to play games. So you are the guy to talk about crypto, not these crypto bros who are who only know about <laughs> crypto, but don't know anything about making actually a good game. Okay. Now it sounds horrible, but I'm just being hyperbolic yeah. and just yeah. uh, trying to, yeah, um, I thought Eric Crest wasn't here today. Okay. So <laughs> to, oh, by the way, Eric Crest was supposed to be on this podcast, yeah, but snagged on like the, the hour before this. So, yeah. so it's only, so now only I'm in the hot seat. You're in the hot in seat. The hot so seat. let's, okay. Ethan, let's fucking go. Let's do yeah. What does a blockchain mean in the context of gaming and how it is applied? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into the technical of blockchain. Um, It's a decentralized distributed database that processes things trustlessly and something, something, mining, staking, nodes, trustless, decentralized, I don't know, words, words. Mm -hmm. There there are really um, three things that I think are super important, three or four things that are super important about blockchain as they apply to games. One is uh, tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, you know, as I'm designing a, a new game, things I'm used to calling currencies, some of them are now going to be tokens. And what that means is you have to think about them as a physical object. It exists. It exists in the game. The player owns it. It sits in their wallet. Ideally, they can transfer it outside of the game sell it to other people on exchanges you don't own at all. So, you know, we're used to soft currency, hard currency. Imagine if uh, your hard currency was an actual 
token, a physical mm-hmm. object. Mm-hmm. You'd probably start, and, and not only that, your players, if they earned it on event leaderboards, could go take it to Coinbase or SushiSwap and sell it to somebody else. And mm-hmm. you have no part of that. Um, that. That is super interesting. And it creates a bunch of different design choices. Mm-hmm. And some games have one token, some have multiple. You know, we're way too early to have a standard. Um, some have uses for tokens that aren't even currencies. You know, it's it's really interesting. But tokens are important. They, in many places, replace what you can use for currencies. Got it. Um, but there are still some... Um, you know, when you're designing a game, there might be something where you're like, hey, I want players to own this on a, earn this on a leaderboard, but I'm not going to give it away every time they level up because there's a fixed supply of it, right? There's an actual amount of it in the world. Um, so there are there is still a use for you might say like, oh, my hard currency, I'm going to turn into a token, but my energy is going to stay something in our traditional database. Mm-hmm. It's not something a player can sell to somebody else. Got it. If and then want, the token is, is the token tied to the blockchain? Yeah. So the way it works, because there are, there's not a blockchain. There are many different blockchains, right? There's kind of Ethereum mainnet. There are things that happen on the Polygon network or Solana or Flow or a private blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Axie, if I'm not wrong, uh, they started on mainnet and then moved to their own private wallet and chain, Ronin, so that they could have faster transactions. So what that means is that AXS, the token, exists on, when you're playing the game, it exists in your wallet on one chain, but you can bridge it out to another chain. So that's really just like... What the fuck like... are you talking about? I... <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, um, what, what would be a good analogy? Um, it would be like, um, oh, it would be like there are two different banks. Mm-hmm. My money is in Ally. Mm-hmm. Yours is in Chase. Deutsche Bank. Oh, Chase. Do- we're going Deutsche Bank yeah. right away. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And and if I first European bank that popped mm-hmm. into mind. Uh, and if I want to send you money from my account to your account, I have to pay a wire transfer fee. Got it, got it, got it. Right, okay. so... There are two different blockchains, there are two different databases, and you can choose to make them interoperable, or you can Ooh. choose not to. So Solana can interact with um, the Ethereum. Well, it's, it's more like if, okay, it's like Sol, the token, mm-hmm. can be used inside of applications built on the Solana database. Mm-hmm. It can also be traded in other applications that aren't using Solana, they're using Ethereum mainnet. And it's, and so it's plumbing clear, that I don't think it matters that okay. Much to but to players. be clear, like when I'm making these tokens in my yeah. game, yeah, they have to be tied to an existing blockchain. Like my tokens are based on yeah. Ethereum, and yeah. Ethereum is kind of like the currency value, and that that leads to the value of my tokens outside my game. Oh no no no! It's uh, think of the blockchain as the rails that mm-hmm. move the currency around. Oh, got it, got it. The value of the trading value of Sol and the trading value of Ethereum are not tied together. Now, what happens? I'm I'm a novice 
crypto token trader. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the stock market, right? Okay. Some days there are up days and some days there are down days and like everything in your portfolio goes up and everything in your portfolio goes down. And in general, the market to my eye moves together, mm-hmm. but it's not like um, the same way that EA's earnings call doesn't have a direct effect on take two stock price, mm-hmm. right? The you trading have, uh, value of Ethereum yeah. does not have a direct effect on the trading value of Solana. Got it. Um, but, but and other what, altcoins. What effect does if like let's say what effect has what effect does Ethereum's trading value have on a token that is based on Ethereum? Um. So. On the only effect it has is human behavior. Effects, okay. Okay. Right. And and something that is very uh, noticeable is that people who were early into ETH or early Mm -hmm. in Bitcoin are very rich. And they also believe in the system and they don't necessarily want to take all of their money and turn it Mm -hmm. into fiat currency. So a lot of what is happening is you're seeing people take Bitcoin wealth or ETH wealth or now, you know, Doge wealth or Shiba, you know, whatever their thing was. And instead of transferring all of it to fiat currency, they're actually diversifying. Mm -hmm. So they're buying a bunch of different tokens. They're buying into a bunch of different NFT projects. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it's my hypothesis that the early adopters, a lot of these cryptocurrency games are people who are rich in cryptocurrency. And they are, so now they're the price of all the tokens and NFTs. Yeah, exactly. So like when, when the, when the price of ETH goes up, it, makes somebody who like just got rich on ETH or Shiba Inu, they're like, well, now I've Shiba got all this. Shiba... It's just a coin. It's a, it's a joke coin. It doesn't. Fuck. It, Fuck. Do you not know about the greatest trade of all time? Um, I'm assuming no. it has happened recently and not <laughs> yes. in history. So no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, sometime, uh, I think last year, somebody uh-huh. bought, a couple thousand dollars worth of this joke coin, Shiba Inu. There was already a, show, a joke coin called Doge. Yeah, I've and no, like, I know that. It trades for like, like, I don't even know how many orders of magnitude of a cent. So somebody made Shiba Inu and it trades for even more orders of magnitude of a cent. <laughs> There's just trillions of it in the world. And last year, somebody uh, bought a couple thousand dollars worth it and probably forgot about it. And someone who was scanning wallets was like, at the current price of Shiba Inu, this wallet has over a billion dollars in it. They turned a couple thousand dollars into a billion dollars. They own so much Shiba Inu that if they sold it all, it would ruin let's, the market for Ethan, Shiba Inu. Let's move forward before, before my fucking head explodes. <laughs> sure. It's nonsense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you so mentioned the, like there's I'll three and, things the, in, in the crypto, yeah. uh, in the blockchain. For number one yeah, token. Oh, and we're still on the sure, first question. And just yeah. to make sure that the, uh, the like the, the the reason why I'm asking this is I'm trying yeah. to understand like I I have a game where the tokens are based on let's say Ethereum because that's that's yeah. the nicest word that I can pronounce. And the value <clears throat> of Ethereum in this volatile crypto market has nothing to do with the value of my tokens. The value of the tokens in the game are is purely tied to the demand of those tokens in my game. Yeah, yeah. I think for the purposes of um, this conversation and of making mm-hmm. sense of it, think about the different blockchains as AWS, Azure, 
PlayFab, Google Cloud services, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, Mongo, so like, like these, these are infrastructure pieces. Yeah. And it's confusing because the same word is used for the infrastructure as is used for the token that you're familiar mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So like Zing, uh, Farmville's success isn't, or like the amount of revenue that people are paying is not dependent on whether they're on Zynga's custom architecture or whether they migrated to AWS. Yeah. Like that stuff is almost entirely hidden from the player. It just comes through in friction and in performance. And if you're thinking about what does Flow do, what does Solana do, what does Ethereum do, these are all just different systems of piping. And then what's confusing is there's also tokens that are named all those things. I understand. Right? Super confusing. Um, okay, so there's tokens. There's NFTs. The difference between a token and an NFT, all tokens are the same. So if you're running um, Legendary, mm -hmm. every gem is the same. Mm -hmm. NFTs, there can be instances of an nft but each one is different so these are what you would use for heroes or i i think you guys are building a first person shooter right third but uh, yes yeah so or you're it does like let's say it's um if you're building a shooter if you had a shooter where players cannot invest in and level up their guns every you know eagle handgun is the same then those can be tokens Right, because they're all the Got same. It. And if, if it's each unique, one, then it's NFT. Then it's an NFT, right? Because my instance of it can have a higher level and thus different stats than your instance of it, mm. right? So if you take an, a game object like a gun or a hero or a skin and you turn it into an NFT instead of a normal database object, what you're allowing a player to do is when they have that in their wallet, they can hold on to it as long as they want. They can sell it to another player. They can gift it to another player. They might be able to do that in a date in a marketplace you own. They might be able to send it to a marketplace that you don't own and sell it to another player. So you might see, um, for instance, Aurora is an upcoming blockchain game. They have avatars that they sell. And if you want to buy an avatar right now and you didn't get it in their gotcha sale, essentially, you go to OpenSea, which is a, a website they don't control, a marketplace mm -hmm. they don't control, and you buy your Aurora EPF yeah. from another place. So, so just like, like any trading cards, like it's, it's yeah. not owned by. But Exactly. So wait a minute. You said the uh, – what was the game? Aurora. Aurora, Aurora, Aurora yeah. Aurora? Yeah. Um, you said there was a gotcha sale. Well, that's that's just uh, I'm translating for the free to play gaming audience. So there oh, was got a it, got it. PFP sale. PFPs profile picks. They're auto generated pieces of art. So on August 31st, they sold 10,000 pieces of art. So and each one was random based on traits. So the easiest way for me to think about it is that day they sold uh, 10,000 gotcha packs, each with an avatar in it. Each avatar was unique. They sold them for five hundred dollars mm. a pop, and they sold out instantly. Isn't that isn't isn't that gambling? Um, no. Uh, well, it's so I'm not a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> you might have guessed yes. from my last name. Yeah. Both my parents 
one of my brothers and many of my cousins are lawyers, but I am not. Um, and I think that the legal and compliance um, piece of this is very tricky. Mm-hmm. It's no way settled. It will change many times over the next 10 years. But, um, you know, going to a grocery store and buying Pokemon cards is not considered gambling. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Therefore, there must there must be some legal way of buying random items that is not gambling. So something um, <clears throat> I, I, I could get it's, to. It's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. That, that was probably the best analogy you could say. Going to a store, buying Pokemon yeah. cards, or in my case, when I was a young cat. I bought hockey cards. Oh, I bought yeah. magic cards and yeah, magic, uh, of course, superhero magic. trading cards. Yeah, no, and by <laughs> bought, I mean shoplifted from Toys R Us. You shoplifted <laughs> magic cards from, from Toys R Us? It's more embarrassing than that. I shoplifted you know, DC you know, you know, comic trading cards from Toys R Us. Ethan, <laughs> not Ethan, I did the same. I was a little kid. Oh, my God. And I shoplifted magic cards. You are – like before. by the way, for the audience, before oh we started this God. podcast – Ethan is like, huh, looking at this video, we look like we're from the same village. Yes. Yep. We are brothers <laughs> from, from, from different mothers from the same village. We need village. to get a 23 and me test. The same this is shit. ridiculous. Yeah, oh what can God. you do against your genes? You, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we're wired the same. Fucking we're wired? Oh, my God. I was 11, by the way. So yeah, that, that crime is, is not anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was anyways. only 10 years ago. Yeah, that's true. It's only 10 years ago. Uh, so, um, so okay, two things. Tokens, <laughs> NFTs. What's the third thing? Oh, my goodness. Um, tokens, NFTs, marketplace. Marketplace. This is what's super important about – this is, you know, if you read my Top Shot article, like this was the moment when I saw the potential. Um, and it's that these assets are liquid, Right. When you and I were stealing magic cards, we got a really good card <laughs> and we wanted to sell it. We had to sell it to somebody else. Yes. There was no, you know, we couldn't look up a price. I can't remember if there were, there were probably magazines that priced baseball yeah. cards, but not magic cards. Or you had to take it to a trading card shop mm-hmm. where an expert would rip you off. Yeah. So we knew these things were valuable. You know, there was an individual card. Um, I probably bought for a hundred dollars, which was a lot, you know, that was, that was a lot of bar mitzvah money to get that, (laughs) to get that hundred dollar legend, Ali, (laughs) what was it? Ali from Cairo. Um, but, but the information asymmetry, right? The person who owns the trading card shop knew everything. I knew nothing. There was no liquidity in the marketplace. I opened a top shot pack. There is a marketplace where even though I don't know anything about basketball, really, I can look up my card and go like, oh, the floor price of this uh, Tyler Hero card is $1,600 right now, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, to me, was the magic moment, was like, um, when, when somebody says, uh, this asset is on the blockchain, when you buy it, you own it. You're like, oh, that's, but it's just a database that sounds weird. Uh, it sounds like some scammy bullshit. When they say, this item is on the blockchain, uh, when you buy it, you own it, and you can turn it around and sell it, and there are people who want to buy it right now because there's a liquid marketplace. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the real game changer for me. And then the one thing to get into, like, decentralized and, like, not really that important, but, like, um, 
these assets can exist inside entirely of a chain and a marketplace and ecosystem that the developer controls, or it can be bridged out to other marketplaces and ecosystems mm -hmm. or exchanges. So, right, like I bought uh, AXS, one of the two Axie tokens on Coinbase. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it from SkyMaven. I didn't get it in the game. Mm -hmm. I traded my ETH to some random person for um, uh, AXS, and now I hold AXS in my wallet. Correct. So, like, that's where the decentral, like, the whole decentralized thing. You and I both know how hard it is for a sword from my game to work interoperably with the sword in your game. Right. Mm -hmm. That is a really difficult problem. And that was when I first started looking at blockchain gaming, one of the things where I'm like, this won't work. I'm never going to take a sword from my game and put it in yeah. your game, right? And and I don't think that's the important part of the decentralization, at least not yet. It's that um, in Diablo, when the auction house existed, you could only buy and sell things on the auction house. You can take your horse from Zed Run and sell it on OpenSea or sell it on Rarible, or sell it on XYZ, or mm -hmm. transfer it wallet to wallet. Like, there's, that's where, de like, there are a lot of things outside of the developer's control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the decentralization is important. Perfect. So I'm just going to summarize it. So blockchain gaming, three things. Tokens, which should be thought about as a currency, a physical object in player's wallet. Mm -hmm. NFTs which means that each NFT has to be unique and has to be sellable in any and all, not, not, not all, but in any market. And finally, marketplace. You have to have <laughs> assets that are liquid and the marketplace has to be decentralized. It's not one game-based marketplace, but it's a marketplace that can exist in, like there's multiple marketplaces. The, so the one, the one asterisk I put on that is um, not everything that is blockchain is decentralized. Right, not every token earned in a game can be traded on decentralized exchanges. Not every NFT can be mm -hmm. sold on marketplaces outside. Um, it's it's more complicated than that. Why? Uh, because it's the different the different chains, the different databases. Okay. Right? It's like um, just because my game is on chain X doesn't mean that a player can instantly put it onto Ethereum mainnet. Mm -hmm. um, we have to build, a, if it's a private chain, we have to build a bridge that allows things to go to, mm. it's that wire transfer, right? Okay, got it. So um, uh, uh, blockchain, the, the piping, it's all very, um, all mixed up and it's not mm -hmm. clear and decentralized and easy. It's actually like a giant spaghetti mess under, under okay. the hood. Okay. Got it. Um, kind of got it. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. That I'll was the you. first question. Yeah. That, that was honestly the first, we only have like 200 more questions. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're, we're actually, you're, you're bundling a lot of things together. Yeah. So I'm leading some of the questions as we go. Yeah. I want to ask you this. This is, these are all my yeah. questions, by the way. Yeah. How in the world does it make sense to pay for a tweet or a picture? Mm. Um, whoever bought it, it was worth <laughs> what they paid for, for it at the time they paid for it. But it, that person was probably rich 
So the amount of money they spent on it was not the same impact as if you or I had done it. Mm-hmm. They probably were doing it to feel good. So, you know, I, when, when I, when I first started being a free to play consultant and evangelist, mm-hmm. this, I would go on stage and I would be like, spending money in these games makes no sense, but people do it anyways. And they do it largely because it makes them feel good. Mm. And so, um, whoever bought that P that tweet or that picture of the New York times website front page or whatever, a crypto punk part of its status. Um, part of it could be investment, curiosity, boredom, like who knows, uh, people are very mysterious. Um, okay. So there's just no, re- but, but the thing is, it's just, people um, are predictably irrational. In the words yeah, of but, but I just don't understand. Like, there's a tweet that I can. I mean, I can. I can take a picture of that tweet, and I can do yeah. anything. Like, like it's not unique in any sense because the magic yeah. cards that we stole, uh, yeah. they were they were our tokens. Like, yeah, we helped them. They were, you know, you couldn't like nobody could play against me with the same cards unless yeah. they had those cards. But if somebody has a picture of whatever or a tweet. Yeah. Oh my, I don't even use And they, Twitter, they, but... they don't actually even own the thing. They own a pointer in a database. Exactly. That points to the picture that anybody else can. Exactly. Look, I mean, I think that those, the people who make those purchases, they're probably viewing it as an investment more than anything. And so they're okay. placing a bet. And a lot of those bets have paid off. Um, some of those bets are not. Yeah. Um, but that that is what I imagine people are doing it. They're either doing it for that or for status. Yeah, the, right? the problem is see... like, the problem is just they just they just they they don't like they, what do they own in that? I mean, this is okay. Yeah, this is but, going away. But from I mean, but mo- most of the fine art in the world yeah. bought on auction sits in uh, warehouses and free ports. Right? I understand. Most of the the classics and treasures and Banksies and. Picasso's, they're not on people's walls. They're in free ports and wherever. Like, it, this isn't new that people are buying these luxury items for reasons other than to show them, which is what, on paper, the point of buying a... And, and we're kind of just making the... We're just making the sort of assumption that, that with, the, with the art, which is unique piece of art done, you know, that, that, that is, yeah, unique... It's a unique physical piece of art. And now we're just taking the sleep of like, well, somebody wrote a tweet and it was yeah. really liked and retweeted. Yeah. And anybody can at any, like, and not even the person who wrote it. And now somebody else owns it. It, it makes yeah. no sense. Like, like it, it this makes not. no sense at all. Like yeah. I, I was with you on the tokens and the NFT and the marketplace, but now I'm just off the bandwagon. So let's, let's move forward before I, yeah. Before I go crazy, um, I wanted to ask about the crazy prices paid yeah. for different NFTs and games. Uh, you mentioned before, like just just recently, that that a lot of people who made bank on crypto have invested into NFTs and invested into yeah. different currencies, whether AXS or, or or so forth. Is that something that that has increased the prices of of um, of these different tokens and and, and NFTs? That that is my hypothesis. I don't okay. I don't have proof, but my um, the story that helps the market make sense to me is a mm-hmm. lot of people got rich on different tokens, 
mm-hmm. hold a lot of wealth in those tokens. Mm-hmm. They believe in the crypto future, so they don't want to turn everything into fiat and get taxed. Um, they want to keep their stuff in tokens, so they're probably diversifying, putting a bunch of bets out there and seeing what pays off, and also supporting projects they like. Yeah. Um, so I think that the higher the price of Bitcoin and ETH, like the more value somebody has in their wallet, the more that splashes onto everything else in the space. Got it. Got it. So it just raises the whole time. Trickle down economics. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in crypto. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Good old Republicans. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> you live in North Carolina, right? South South Carolina. Same a thing. Very red state. Yes. Super red. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the people are lovely. I, um, super nice. Open carry is is a lovely thing. It makes people <laughs> smile. <laughs> I don't. I actually. I don't know if we have open carry in my state. I'm sure you do. I'm not. I don't. I don't see a lot of guns around. I'll say that. I live Just in. Look a, at any pickup, and you'll see um, a shotgun in the uh, in the back window. <laughs> Anyways, um, I know people from the south. They're really nice. Uh, they're also strapped. Yeah. Any, uh, so, uh, w- what is so? When I think about play to earn, yeah, I'm thinking about uh, like just taking a way blockchain. Like even before, um, let's mm-hmm. say World of Warcraft, I would grind for some shit, and I'd be able to get some unique items, and I would yeah. be able to sell those items in some shady marketplace because yeah. it didn't have that liquid marketplace. Yeah. And that's essentially black market or gray earn. market. Exactly. That's essentially yeah. play to earn. Or you'd have these, you know, these uh, farms with people who are farming for gold and, and selling it through it. And then yeah. it kind of got changed by the, uh, by the developers selling directly to players. And yeah. then suddenly we got microtransaction. And then in the end we have free to play. Yeah. So in that sense, we kind of had play to earn. But what is the new definition of play? Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing is taking something that was a black market or gray mm-hmm. market activity and mm-hmm. making it sanctioned, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if we, if you got caught gold farming or selling accounts, you know, you it, the terms yeah, of service probably said you could get banned. Yeah. And people were banned for that, and the developer didn't get a cut. So, play to earn gaming, pretty simply, uh, people play the game. By playing the game, they can earn tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, those tokens generally have some in-game use, just like any hard currency would. And they probably also have the ability to trade to another player for fiat currency or other crypto tokens, mm-hmm. or sometimes to stake. So it's, it's, it's on the face of it, no different than playing a game and earning hard currency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As an operator, it's much different, right? Because uh, in a free-to-play game, I like think about AFK Arena. Or they're very generous with yeah. their hard currency, right? Just as a free player, you can earn twenty set. You know, you can earn uh, probably twenty bucks worth a couple times a week and do a ten pull on the gotcha, right? In a world where every where I'm not, it's not just a number in a database. Every time I'm giving a player hard currency, I actually have a treasury that's filled with hard currency. And so I say, okay, you won the leaderboard of leaderboard today. Mm-hmm. Here's 10,000 of this gem. Um, that has an effect on every other player and everyone who holds the currency because it's real and it exists within the context of a market. 
And so as an operator, like you probably, um, uh, you might have one token in the game that's very mm -hmm. tight and one that's very loose, one with a fixed supply and one with an inflationary supply, right? If you look at Axie Infinity, they have one token that's worth like 170 bucks per token, something in that range. I, I don't mm -hmm. remember exactly. And then one token that's like 15 cents. And the difference is, is that the supply of AXS that the developer puts into the system as rewards is very constrained. Mm -hmm. You win it for being one of the top leaderboard players, and there's a fixed amount. Every single player who plays every day it can earn SLP, the one that trades for 7 to 15 cents. It's an inflationary token. They're always minting more of it. And the more players there are in the system the more of it they mint. So mm -hmm. uh, play to earn the mechanics for the player. The main thing is it takes, as I said, a black market activity, makes it above board, sanctioned, welcome. The developer gets a cut. It's part of the design. As an operator, you stop operating like a dungeon master and have to start thinking of yourself as a central bank. And mm. it's something I'm very excited about and also very <laughs> scared of. Right. So, okay. So talk about what are you scared about? Um, so I don't know if you've ever pushed a bug to production that tanked yeah. three days worth of revenue. No. <laughs> no, never. You've never pushed untested config to production and no. shut the game down for three hours. No. or Like, th think about all the things that can go wrong with a uh, free-to-play live ops game. Like um, uh, New New World, right? Didn't didn't gamers find a bug that allowed them yeah, to yeah, the, currency? The imagine the if imagine if they found that bug. It was hiding in your server for four and a half years, but it didn't allow you to increment a number in a database. It let you steal all the money out of a treasury. Fuck, it'd be fun. Right? <laughs> or or just hacking. Like yeah. it, like the thing is like if the value grows, you can your game can get hacked. Yeah, and everybody's tokens are taken. Yeah. What do you do? Your game is dead. Well, you can't you take everyone's. To you can't take everyone. You'd have to hack every wallet. Oh, okay, got right? it. So that would be you can't. I I don't think it's possible to hack every single person's bank account who's got a Chase bank account. How about central but, bank? Yes, that has to. That's possible, right? Like somewhere. Some group of people have the keys to the Axie Infinity treasury, right? So there's like, oh, in my spare time, I'm writing Ocean's Eleven, but they're mm -hmm. not stealing physical objects. It's a it's a social attack to steal the Axie Infinity treasury, right? Oh, they, like, that's gonna, a real gonna, thing that they, can happen. They're going to make a virtual honey trap. Yeah, exactly. On Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, I, yeah, the, the security concerns are magnified um, because of the real world value. It's, it's super, everything that makes it exciting and like the brand new Wild Frontier also mm -hmm. makes it very frightening. Damn. And how, so, <sighs> how do you balance this type of a game? Like, like who can, like, what are you, are you going to hire an economist? Um, not to start, I'm like an amateur behavioral economist. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, but, yeah, but, but, um, but you're no, talking about yeah. central banks. Central bank yeah. doesn't need yeah. behavioral economics. Yeah, like, it needs so, real economists. At, at, at the start, I mean, I'll just tell you how I'm going to run my team. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're eight people right now. Um, we have a lot of operator experience in live ops, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of operator experience in the company. There are people who are better than me at live ops, um, like Hide and Daniil and Mark and Tiffany. There's a PhD level analyst, uh, Yavuz. Like, there's smart people, and we're going to lean on all that experience and expertise for as long as we can. And then if it becomes mm-hmm. clear that we need an economist, we'll hire an economist. Right. Mm-hmm. If we need, I can see a very real world where we need a professional trader to tell us how to turn our treasury into revenue. Right. Because something people will be doing, right. They're not standard free to play game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy hard currency from Apple. Apple keeps 30%, they give you 70%, and then when I spend the currency in the game, it doesn't matter. The revenue's there. Imagine instead, uh, I buy my currency from some player in Venezuela. Uh, I evolve a hero, so I then give the currency into the central bank. Mm -hmm. So the central bank hasn't booked any fiat currency revenue yet. They've just increased their holding of the token, and they, as the operator, have to balance out, well, I want to make revenue for my company. I want to fund my game's development and buy more performance marketing and get a high-end 3D trailer and you know, fly the game team out to Malta for a week on the beach and all these things. There are all these reasons that I want mm-hmm. to turn my treasury into money. But turning my treasury holdings into money also has effect on the players and on the game economy. And so, like, this is where I could see, like, wanting a trader or an economist, or hopefully we can just figure out some simple rules around anticipated demand and supply. But, like, there's some real tricky questions about how you turn your token holdings Mm -hmm. as the operator into revenue, into recognized fiat currency. And it's like, I don't know, it's really cool. It's super different and very, um, and, and, and I think my, my hope is, and probably, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of years from now, I'll come back on the podcast and talk about what a stupid idiot I was. Um, but my hope is that those <laughs> moments become obvious, right? Yeah. So you're just going to ease into it, not get yeah. on this rocket launch of a growth of like 600 million raised by round B, by, by yeah. Series B. Yeah. Um, so, so why do you need blockchain games? Like, like, couldn't this exist without blockchain? Yeah, that's a question that comes up a lot, and. Um, the most, if not all of what is uh, done that I've talked about with tokens and NFTs and the marketplace and fiat, like all that can be done with existing technology. Excuse me. The thing that I think is important is that for whatever reason, consumers have trust in blockchain technology. And it's not just people who read VentureBeat Mm-hmm. And uh, listen to Deconstructor of Fun and, you know, have a dot .eth Twitter handle and a crypto pop. That's, like, that's the same yeah. audience. Like, one <laughs> right, to right. One. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just them. Like, as, as I've said, as, I'm, uh, as I like to say, like, my whole crypto journey started mm-hmm. because out in a playground in suburban 
Charleston, South Carolina, some other dad started asking me about NBA Top Shot. Said, I'm like, Howdy. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all, have y'all heard about NBA Top Shot? Y'all, y'all my brother and my – no, it's not that bad. Oh, my God. Um, but um, normal people, I think mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Ethereum – Mm-hmm. And it's been in the news enough for a long enough period of time and enough moneyed interests have put PR and marketing and all sorts of things. And there've been enough real world examples that normal people trust the blockchain technology right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think a player in Venezuela, like an average one of one of the 1 million DAU that Axie Infinity has, do they understand or care or need to know what the difference is between um, having a Ronin wallet and having a MetaMask wallet. Like it doesn't matter to them. Um, But they trust in the general concept um, or at least they trusted it enough to try it out. And then they found that they could play, earn a thing, sell the thing and pay their rent with it. Mm-hmm. And so that trust is actually, I think, the most important thing that blockchain brings to the table for game developers. None of the technology, I mean, it's <clears throat> the whole distributed ledger thing is very unique, and some people care about it a lot, and that's a fundamental building block of that trust. But just in terms of like everyday users, um, mm-hmm. yes, you can do all this stuff with other technologies. Uh, but for whatever reason, we've hit a tipping point in trust. And that's when I got really interested in blockchain games. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash D-O-F or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. And um, I wanted to ask, like, there's there's insane amount of hype uh, around play-to-earn games. Mm-hmm. And the amount of hype is so disproportionate to the amount of players actually playing these games. Right. Why is that? Like even Axie Infinity, according to the uh, the rumors, um, like eighty five to ninety percent of the players are in in Southeast Asia. Right. Like it's. I see that you know. as a good thing. Like that to me is an amazing opportunity. Right? Yeah, but the, I mean, imagine like having a, a profitable game with a million players in Southeast Asia. Like, what's that going to turn into 10 years from now? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Like, <laughs> if Disney. I would have a mobile game that is a free-to-play with a million players in Southeast Asia, I would be like, right. fuck. Like, what do right. we do? But these, I mean, but these guys are super – this team is super successful. So um, 
but yeah, you, you, I think it's a valid question, right? There is a ton of investor money and it seems like a relatively small audience. I mean, a million DAU is for Axie is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but um, I think, you know, my person, you made Facebook games too, right? Didn't you do yeah. Army Attack, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I did you were Army doing, Attack. You were doing Army Attack when I was playing Dragon Age, making Dragon Age Legends. And like, we looked to Army Attack. It was it was an inspirational game for us. I liked that one Good. quite a lot. Um, <laughs> my games but, are all so like fucking masculine. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think about yeah. Army Attack? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you're so small. Um, so, but... I, I I just gave a, a presentation in, internally at network and mm-hmm. I made this point in, in my mind, there's, there's a straight line continuum. I'll call it the free to play plus live ops revolution of games, mm-hmm. European browser games like O game, Travian, Icarium mm-hmm. and uh, net cafe games like Maple story and dungeon fighter online mm-hmm. were, as far as I know, kind of the real genesis of free-to-play. Next stage, social network games, Army Attack, Dragon Age Legends, Farmville, um, flip phone, feature phone games in Japan, right? Like Kaito Royale. Next stage, mobile free-to-play, a smartphone free-to-play that we're all in right now. Mm-hmm. And it's gone past that and finally gotten the console, right? Like GTA Five is on its third console generation, and keeps selling and keeps generating revenue thanks to GTA Online and live operations, right? Rainbow Six Siege is in its sixth year. It hasn't, there's no Rainbow Six Siege 2. It's yeah, just exactly. Rainbow Six Siege, right? So like the free-to-play and live ops tactics that started over 20 years ago in the net cafes and on the browser have now massively expanded the audience of people who play video games and found their way into what we would call the mainstream or hardcore video game space. I think with blockchain, we are in a very similar transition. It's going to be very long, and we're roughly in that army attack, Dragon Age Legends phase, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think Axie is Farmville. It's the moment everyone... It's the first one. Yeah. It's uh, It's like, oh my God, this looks like crap. How is it so successful? Right. And think of how many games companies, players, successes, and failures have been generated since then in free-to-play and with live operations tactics. We're not done yet. We're not going to be done until they stop releasing annual releases. Mm -hmm. There's just the game. It's just the platform. Um, So my hypothesis, why I've like dove headfirst into blockchain is I think we're at that Facebook phase, right? I think we're at that, we're at that moment where everyone's like, Farmville. But why? I can do why, that. Why are we in this moment? Like, what? Why? What right. makes you believe that this is not also the um the like VR was in this moment? Like, right. remember when in two thousand what sixteen VR was like heating up, and there were VR studios starting everywhere in San Francisco, and you'd be like, "Oh my yeah. god, this is the next thing! I'm gonna get on the Oculus train," and yeah. then that never left. And then instant games in like two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Similar type of thing. Why is this different? And then there was the AR train. Right. None of those yeah, trains I mean, left, left the uh, left the uh, the station. Yeah, I, I mean, like VR and AR. Like, as soon as I can wear spectacles around that let me like project games onto the real world, and, like play Tetris in between two skyscrapers, 
Of course I'm going to buy it. I think we're just a lot of hardware innovation away from those things being really mass market and actually like making, expanding the audience. VR right now makes games better for a section of people who already play video games, right? It's selling to a subset. Um, whereas we've seen with Axie, you know, those million players in Southeast Asia and Venezuela and Brazil, like things that in the free-to-play space we currently consider secondary, tertiary markets, places where we're like, we can't advertise there. We won't make any money. We barely even make any money from the ads we show there. Are these players worth even the database mm. cost or the operation cost. Meanwhile, there's Garena Free Fire, who's like, "Yeah, give us every single Android player in the entire world. We're gonna eat, we're gonna eat all the other um, uh, free to play shooter games." So, like, it's it's that audience expansion. A million people a day playing Axie who probably would not be otherwise playing a Pokemon-style game on their phone. That's interesting. And that's what makes me go like, well, if I know what happened when Farmville was made and how it's progressed over the next 12 years, what's going to happen? You know, the the article draft I shared with you, right? Mm -hmm. My point is like, everything right now that we as veteran game developers look at blockchain games and go like, it's scammy, the tech shit, the art shit. It's not fun. It's blah, blah, blah. Like everything, what about the laws? What about accounting? Like like every single one of those problems is an opportunity. And the people who, who figure out those opportunities are going to get rich. They're going to yeah. build long-lasting games. Um, and so all the, I think the investment hype comes from people with the, either a similar belief or again, like wanting to make that barbell bet, like, you know, if you are a hedge fund or a VC fund and a hundred million dollars isn't a lot of money, yeah. which there are many, like a hundred million dollars, this is a great space to make a bet in a platform or to make a hundred bets in different platforms. Cause one of them's going to be uh, uh, a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. Okay. Right? So basically, the hype comes around the uh, the possibilities of, of as you mentioned that one fella putting two thousand bucks into it and then becoming yeah. uh, you know yeah I think there are, what what makes it super unique is there are that the barbell bets are there for the players mm-hmm. and for the early adopters and for the VCs and the entrepreneurs barbell like bet a oh, barbell bet sorry um, <clears throat> a barbell bet like if you've read uh, the what uh, Nassim Talib, like Black Swan and Anti-Fragile. I forget which book of his it's from. He was a trader. Black Swan's his most famous book. But like the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, the way he invests is he makes a lot of small bets where the amount of money is negligible to him. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's 200 bucks, mm-hmm, which depending mm-hmm. on where you are in the world, that can be a lot of money. It can be an amount of money you're okay losing. If you spend... on Facebook stock today or General Electric stock or Mm -hmm. Microsoft stock. 20 years from now, there's no way it's worth 100 times what it is. That's like kind of a very traditional bet. If you spent $200 on Shiba Inu today, you would get like 20 million Shiba Inu token. There's a huge chance that goes to zero and you lose your 
um, $200. And there's also a chance that it explodes like a barbell and you make $200,000. Like a barbell? I don't get that reference. Sorry, it's I'm drawing. I I have to go back. Well, hockey stick. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, it it it. I think he says barbell because it tops out at a certain point. Okay. It's been a while I, since I I've read the I book. I don't think that. I don't think he's a he's a gym. I'm, I'm gonna I'm anyway. gonna have to fact check this afterwards. Someone <laughs> someone in the audience is listening to this and be like, like Ethan, you fucking idiot. Like this is what. He <laughs> no, so I don't think listen. I don't think they would say Ethan, you fucking idiot. They right. would say like. I think so. Idiot. Sorry, what what's unique? What I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. What's unique about blockchain gaming is that the opportunity doesn't just for outsized returns that normally exists for the venture capitalists and the founding team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, you know, if you're super lucky, early team members maybe yeah. have like super outsized returns. Right? Yeah. In blockchain gaming. That is possible for players to recognize without there being a public market exit, right? A player who's early in the right game and is just good at grinding for their play-to-earn currency could get rich. That's my dream but, uh, for my game, right? But I, I get that. But the yeah. invest, the size of the investment is, yeah. is they're large. Like SoftBank yeah. dropping like six eighty. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think I forgot how much Axe you raised. Uh, so Skyrim. I think that a lot of um, when I listen to the podcast and you and you bring up these uh, investments, a lot of times you mention the individual product or game. You're like, oh, Mythical just raised seventy five mm-hmm. million dollars yeah. for Blancos. They didn't ri- raise it for Blancos. They raised it for a platform play that Blancos is the first product on. Same with Immutable, same with Sky Mavis, same with Forte or Flow, right? Like Dapper Labs isn't raising money at a huge valuation because the investors believe only in the power of NBA Top Shot. It's because of what the Flow platform becomes in success. That's what the investors are betting on. Is these yeah, but platform those are still plays. big bets. They're they're really yeah. big bets, and there's yep. like this crazy FOMO where where the bets are just outrageous. They're not those. 200 bucks, you know, yeah. I don't care if I win or lose because this yeah. might make a lot of money. They are like, I just checked out Sky Mavis raised 152 million yep. at a 3 billion valuation. Yeah. Right. So like how much, how much uh, money is under management at a 16 Z, you know, no, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Like their hundred million dollars might be a drop for them. It might be a major investment. It's all yeah. relative. Okay. You know, money's money's imaginary, anyways. So, so let me ask this: Why aren't the uh, the developers called out for misleading numbers? Like, I'm just I I, I don't want to I don't mean to wail yeah. on on Sky Mavis at all. Like, yeah. much respect to them. Um, I'm gonna tease. <laughs> Sorry, um, but um, they they you know I remember just looking at these these um these um. Articles that, that, for example, this one, Axie Infinity's 1.2 billion annualized yeah. revenue overtakes Candy Crush's 2020 total revenue. Yeah. Like, this is bullshit, Who, right? Well, it, one, that wasn't put out by Sky Mavis. No, but... That was an analyst using publicly available data, right? So what's interesting about that is that you can estimate Sky Mavis's run rate any day. And as you've pointed out on the podcast before, mm-hmm. um, like 
you could pick a day where their annual run rate is 1.2 billion. And I'm sure that you could pick a day three days later where their annual run rate is like 600 million. So you're like, why aren't developers being called out? Well, what central authority's responsibility is it to call out misleading headlines from analysts? No one's right. Like there's no, there's no police of this. Who, who would be the caller outer other than the deconstruction? Okay. I'm going to call them out. This, this was, this was in FinTech collective. Right. Fuck that site. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Chain, it was, it was actually from chain debrief. So, yeah. you know, like you, you run a blog. I used to run a blog when I was a uh-huh. consultant and I would make claims publicly about information I had available in order to get clicks to drive leads. Whoever's writing Jackie Yap, who's writing for Chain Debrief, is driving clicks to get advertising impressions, right? Like, they're not Sky Mavis. This wasn't a uh, an earnings announcement from Sky Mavis. So, like, uh, it's not, not their fault someone wrote this post. Okay, and got it. I think what's what's interesting, though, what's, what's interesting is that... Um, there are all these intelligence sources that because of the blockchain, you can monitor Axie's token price, how much secondary sales they're made. Like there's mm-hmm. a level of data that if these companies are public, like everybody has access to the data um, that lets you know how they've, how they've been doing in terms of inflows to their treasury. It doesn't necessarily let you know what outflows to, from their treasury, mm-hmm. but. It's like, you know, there might not be a sensor tower or a game refinery of blockchain yeah. gaming because there should they, be, there should be. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there will, it won't be a subscription service because everything, the data is all there. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all public. Let's take a little break and talk about how to boost your live ops. Now, we all know that you need great people and fantastic tools to get the most out of your live games. And I'm sure you got the people part covered how fantastic your tools truly are. Well, listen, if your game is made with Unity, you need to check out Beamable. Beamable is like an operating system for live games built in Unity. Beamable simplifies everything from updating your game to selling all those cool in-game items with special offers. And when it comes to live events and competitive features like leaderboards, Beamable got you covered. And Beamable is not only for your product folks, with visual prefabs for Unity and the ability to keep all your server code in C-sharp means life is simpler for your programmers and most importantly, you'll get to the market faster. If much lower cost of development and efficiency of operations is your jam, then Beamable is your toast. Go to Beamable.com because Deconstructor of Fun told you so. Well, let me turn this around. Um, most of the time when, when people are talking about these pitches from, from play to earn companies, yeah. um, there's just this strong vibe of scam. Yeah. Why is that? Um, well, I mean, like, let's, uh, let's be honest. There are a lot of scams in the NFT space, right? In the NFT and crypto space. Um, And so anyone would be right to be wary. And I think anything that uh, attracts a lot of money, when there's a lot of Mm -hmm. money sloshing around, there are um, experienced operators going after it, and there are um, con men going after it, and there are entrepreneurs with a lot of um, 
uh, you know, grit going after it. And they all look the same. And I think mm-hmm. the skill of an investor, um, I mean, it could just be luck, uh, but the skill of an investor is, is figuring out who's real and who's not. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it'll be interesting to know. Yeah. It's just like anything like, uh, are VCs, are the bets on what they invest in and what they pass on actually any better than flipping a coin or, you know, like that would be a very interesting, I would love to do that study and write that paper and just like embed an A16Z and flip a coin on every investment decision and see over mm-hmm. 20 years if I outperformed the experts. And like, <laughs> um, if anything I've learned about the stock market is right, we will either do the same or I'll do better. Right. Like it's yeah, like index outperforms everything. Exactly. Um, Shout out to Vanguard. Yeah. <laughs> Vanguard. Yeah. Lots, lots of uh, financial, a lot more uh, central banking and financial terms than the normal deconstructor of fun. Um, so, so yeah, in short, I think the um, being wary of scam artists, if you're looking to invest or even looking to play, or mm-hmm. buy PFPs, you know? It's not easy um, to tell uh, um, who is real and who is a scam. And I yeah. think that's potentially part of the fun of playing in the Wild West type space well, I is think, the risk. I think, think Sufer does it well when he analyzes them, because these, these blockchain companies, because he goes back to the basics. Like, yeah. like you know, are, do you know how to make games? Right. Like, what's the game? You know, stop this nonsense. Let's talk crypto afterwards. Like, talk to me about the game. And yeah. then we can talk about the NFT stuff. Because yeah. a lot of these companies don't have that pedigree. They don't have that background. And, and sometimes it's just like even, you know, they might say like, oh, we, you know, we played games a lot. Like, I, I get it. I mean, I, I like food. I've eaten a lot of food. But I'm not pretending that I can open yeah. up a restaurant. Um, yeah. I think in in that Facebook time, I'd already been making games for eight or nine years at that point. Mm -hmm. And so me and my team and the studio I was a part of, I think we had a general vibe of like, we're going to do this right. We're going to, I mean, specifically with Dragon Age Legends, we said like, we're going to build a social network game for gamers and we're going to win. That was the totally wrong attitude to bring to that moment in history. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. And um, this time I'm hoping to bring what is a more humble um, viewpoint on it. I mean, if you've been listening to me talk, obviously I'm a a huge egomaniac. So more humble than previously, but still (laughs) egomaniacal. But, you know, my, um, I know me and my team can build a great game, Um, Mm -hmm. but in order to win, in this blockchain space, it will take more than our existing skills of building a great game. We have to figure out what those three person teams of total neophytes who just raised $20 million in their ICO or in their NFT initial minting, like what are they doing right that we've never done before? That's, that's to me the challenge of like literally this Mm. moment right now. That's That's the discussion we're having right now. It's, it's a good point because we often go into a place where like, oh, like you have to have experience to do something, but just going into even my own experience of hiring people, like usually the ones with a little bit less experience, a little bit more drive, uh, tend to be the, uh, the best ones and the fast movers and those who are, who are long in the tooth in their career. Yeah. If they don't have that sort of, um, 
you know, mindset of, of constantly learning and doubting yourself, then they're just repeating all the mistakes that they've done before. Yeah. Uh, anyways, this goes to a different stuff. Let's go to the questions that came in from the DOF. So let's, let's start slamming these in. Um, we're an hour in already. Okay. Uh, from the podcast with Sky Mavis COO, it was mentioned that they are building their own tech stack and now build they to build a crypto game that isn't that much need of smart contract developers. Uh, what tech stacks are out there to build your own marketplace tokens and mint NFTs that could work with Unity or Unreal? Got it. So, um, as, as I said earlier, right, like the space is so big and so fast moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only been really into it for nine months, so I'm not going to get everything. Um, I'll just tell you some of the ones that come to mind, right? Um, Forte is a blockchain game platform that's that's been around for a while and has a lot of good game operators at it. Mythical, mm-hmm. who's come up on the podcast a number of times, um, with their latest fundraising announcement, announced other people publishing on their platform and that they're building a platform. Immutable, who's behind Guild of Guardians and Gods Unchained, has Immutable X. That's a whole platform. Um, or Immutable X is their token. They have a Immutable platform. Solana, uh, Polygon, Flow. These are these are the things that come to mind, and, and every one of these has some level of successful projects out there. There's a bunch I don't know. There are probably new ones all the time. So that's what's top of mind. Um, it's uh, there. There's a lot of options uh, for who could be your. What's nice is like I remember how horrible it was hiring before AWS was really a thing, and when mm-hmm. every single person was trying to hire the same like twelve Flash programmers. And I think what's unique about this is compared again to that social network space is there are a lot of people who've actually like saw the light or drank the Kool-Aid years before me and have been building these platforms for this moment. So there's, there's a lot of options out there and and plenty I didn't even mention, I'm sure, but that's that's what comes to mind. Um, With so many coins on the market, is there a particular one to focus on when developing games? Um, no, I mean, it's really comes down to your game design and what mm-hmm. you are using tokens for, right? If, if you're only using tokens to generate revenue with no ability for people to do credit card chargebacks, mm-hmm. then all you need is Ethereum. Just, just, uh, mm-hmm. um, accept Ethereum or use, you know, BitPay or whatever to accept things. But like each game is going to have a different design that requires different tokens and you're not going to be using like this question, like Ethereum, Binance, smart contract, Polygon and Hive are all different things. Um, if you're building a blockchain game, you are probably going to be creating uh, one or more of your own tokens that are either native to your game or native to your company, depending upon your design and your long-term ambitions. Okay. Uh, it's crypto games only for crypto enthusiasts, AKA crypto bros. Uh, are crypto games still too early to be targeted for gamers? Um, we'll find out. I mean, I would say we're already past that it's purely for crypto enthusiasts, right? Mm-hmm. There, are, yeah. there are a million people a day playing Axie. Those people have not all been 
reading crypto forums for six years, right? Yeah, but they're so like they're playing it just to earn money. They're not playing yeah. it because they like the game. Yeah, they're playing so, it because they like the game more than than right. uh, rice fields. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, driving a tuk tuk or being unemployed, um, mm-hmm. or you know, running a mom and pop shop in a lockdown. Oh, um, I would I would <laughs> rather play Axie all day than any of those previous yeah. ones. I, I'm not faulting anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, to, to go to my, uh, I'm kind of like mixing, I gave a presentation right before this, but like, so I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not. Um, there, there are two different questions here. One, are crypto games only for crypto enthusiasts? No, but I think crypto enthusiasts are a very important part of your market. Second question, are crypto games still too early to be targeted for gamers? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Let's find out. Okay. Um, is there any best practice to follow make when making a play to earn game or too still early. too early to tell? Too early. I mean, there's like there there there's less than a hundred play to earn mm-hmm. games that are playable right now. So like, we are very very early in what I think is a twenty to thirty year cycle. Mm-hmm. What does the target audience look like? What the geos demographics and uh, and interest of crypto game players? Either data or anecdotes would be good to hear. Well, I can tell you anecdotes. They're in Southeast Asia. Right. Yeah. I um, I would suggest there's a very good 20-minute documentary on YouTube about Axie Infinity. It's called Play to Earn. Um, watch that, and I think you'll get um, a good idea of what one target market looks like. I Like, think of how big, again, think of how big the audience expansion of Facebook game and feature phone gaming was. There's no one target market. Um, any resources or information on how to balance the minting uh, economies compared to free-to-play? I think it's too early to tell, uh, but if I'm successful at all, I'm sure I'll write about it for the fine folks at Deconstructor Fun. Ooh. It's the sort of thing I like to write about. Ooh. I feel like there's going to be a segment yeah. <laughs> uh, crypto with Levy. Crypto with Levy. That, that would be good. Well, let's workshop uh, that. I think we can come up with something sillier. Yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love crypto to. Bros. Yeah. Uh, so what will be the most common reasons many free-to-play and other game devs fail when trying to enter this market? Yeah, I, I think that the biggest trap that we can all fall into is the Kodak trap, right? We're experienced. We know what a real game is. We know what good is. Like, there are a lot of reasons that your experience and wisdom can actually be a weapon that that you use against yourself. So, very typical in game development. Yeah, just just be humble. Just be humble. If someone out there is successful, no matter how stupid you think their white paper is, or how bad their art is, or whatever whatever you think is going wrong, take all those thoughts and put them in a corner. And study it until you figure out what they're doing right. Yes. Take it into approach that whatever you did before does not fucking matter <laughs> to what you're doing right now. Yeah. Like you start yeah. from ground zero. It's only people who have shipped shit games know that. That mm-hmm. you can go from a hit to a dud in in a in a you know in a span of a year. Yeah. So we don't have that magic touch. Anyway, um what are the easy on-ramps for today's dev- developers and publishers to dip their toes in the water? 
get their beaks wet. I mm. added one. Uh, start with collectible yeah. NFTs that have no in-game value yet. Something else? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I have to... How to, how to get your beak wet. <laughs> yeah. I, so I think... Um, I mean, I've got three kids under six. I don't have a lot of free time. And so if I, <laughs> if I did have more free time, um, I would, you know, the decentralized aspect of it, of some of these projects is really interesting. A lot of mm -hmm. ink has been spilled about Loot Project, and it's very interesting and very decentralized. Mm -hmm. um, so if I wanted to tinker around and start to understand things more, I would pick one of these projects or communities. Let's just take Loot Project to start with that was actually built to be decentralized and expanded by the community. A mm -hmm. Sandbox is another great example. I would join their Discord community. I would learn their tools, learn what it takes. Like if I had more free time, I, I um, have two or three NFT extensions of Loot Project I would gladly do as free projects right now just to understand more. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's the sort of thing I would think about. I would think about not, I would I would view the space almost as open source or as more UGC and creator possible than others. And I would think, how can I do a Solana hack project this weekend? How can I extend Loot Project or Blitmap or something else, right? Like, how mm -hmm. can I build on something that exists and just like learn about this crazy space and the people who are already here? Okay. Let's move on. One of the most annoying one is that games don't have enough information inside inside them. Or okay, this is this is sorry. Not not everybody at <laughs> Deconstructor of Fun Slack is a is a great writer. Yeah. But let's let's take the uh, the mess out of it. So the person is asking not ev not everybody have enough information about the games, and there's uh, poor information on the uh, on the website is always the community that comes up with simple solution for some stuff like reward list events or so does. Okay. So the question here is, uh, there's not enough, enough information about the game and it's very complicated or, or these games. Yeah. And the question about it is, does that lack of information have something to do with the legal aspect of it? Because according to this writer, it seems that all economic info is always posted by users, not the developers. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to interpret this question as best as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, the community creating resources for developers who do not have enough time or interest uh, or ability to put the information online is not a new and unique problem to blockchain yeah, gaming. Wiki. Right? Generally it's the sign of success, right? For a game. If, if I can go find a tier list for a hero battler, like that means there's an engaged community. Yeah. Um, so that's not new. And I don't think, I don't think we have to, I mean, I don't think the legal picture is clear enough for anything. Uh, the, I, I, I'm a dev, you're a dev. We know what it's like to be super busy. And, mm. you know, when there's a hundred things that you want to do and writing a blog post about X or Y is just one of them. It's not always something you get to, you know, mm. maybe you're too busy working on that event Maybe no one inside your company likes writing. Who, who knows? Yeah. Okay. So moving on. 
uh, what platform would be the one that we could trust for NFTs, games, analytics? So, so essentially, what is the sensor tower of blockchain gaming? Um, I don't know that it exists yet. Uh, we talk about Dapraider a lot. Dapraider. Yeah. Well, sensor tower, you should yeah. add uh, crypto portion into it. <laughs> That would be um, that would be pretty. So yeah, DAP, DAP radars, uh, something that we point to a lot. Um, someone, I mean, there's just like a lot of stuff. There's uh, playtoearn.net slash blockchain gaming mm-hmm. is something someone mm-hmm. on the team shared with me today. Again, we're very very early. Very so early. like, I don't like. This is one of those things. This is one of those obvious things. What is the next sensor tower for blockchain gaming? What is the next playfab for blockchain gaming? What is the next X or Y? If you believe my hypothesis, these uh, startup ideas are all around you. We should start one. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. So, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the hate from mainstream and social media when it comes to crypto. NFT space is the adverse effects mining yeah. has on the yeah. environment. We'd be curious if that topic has an answer the general public would be happy with, or is it a conversation crypto games just try to avoid? Um, some people lean into it, right? Like part of the sales pitch for Solana is that it's a more environmentally friendly mm-hmm. uh, blockchain. And like, uh, you know, if, if, um, if a blockchain platform is telling you they're a layer two or layer three solution, what they're trying to communicate to you, but maybe don't know how to talk normal is um, we don't waste a lot of energy to do database transactions. So a lot of, a lot of companies recognize that um, uh, developers care about this. Players care about this and uh, have developed solutions that are ahead of where Bitcoin is or where Ethereum mainnet is. I don't know enough about what's going on in in Ethereum. Eventually they'll move from proof of work to proof of stake and that'll dramatically reduce the energy cost. So um, my uh, personal thought is that um, there are already some technologies that have an energy consumption that are no different than using AWS or Google Cloud or whatever. Um, I think that everybody cares about this, or like everybody who's not. There are some people who don't. the The <laughs> majority of people I know who I talk to who are developing blockchain games or block DApps or investing in the space also care about this. Nobody wants to burn the world down for the sake of like a yacht or whatever it is you buy with your crazy crypto money. Um, and my if my prediction is that the environmental impact um, technology solution will be there, but the meme, the thought virus that it's horrible for the environment will persist forever. Mm-hmm. It's too, it's, there's, there's no way um, to kill that meme. And so like, I'm not pretending it's not a concern. It's a big concern. Um, I want to mm-hmm. be on a proof of um, stake, not a proof of work chain. Um, I value trees and walking in the forest. So, 
Uh, I think if you're being a developer, buy floors and pickup trucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not an ATV guy, but uh, (laughs) you know, just if you're a developer, be part of the solution, do your homework, use, use a environmentally responsible platform solution. Okay. Let's, let's move on from that. Yeah. Uh, typically, what is the business model for developers to make money? What are the different revenue streams in blockchain gaming? Mm. Um, so I think, it's, again, it's too early to know what typical is. Um, but I'll just talk about some of the revenue streams that are available. There's primary sales. So that's like selling gotcha directly to players mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, sometimes that's pre-sales before the product is out. Sometimes that's, you know, like... If you think about NBA Top Shot, they essentially do a, a gotcha sale every couple of days or every week. Um, secondary market sales, so that's players selling to other players. Uh, generally, the player who's the seller keeps, you know, changes platform to platform, company to company. Uh, but usually, the tax on a secondary market sale is usually in the range of. 10 to 1%. I think it's pretty well Mm -hmm. clustered around Mm -hmm. 5%. So like in the case of Axie, the players are making the majority of the money, but Axie is making a lot of money from the secondary market sales. Um, You can have a blockchain game that has traditional IAP within it. That's a revenue stream. And then there's also um, kind of what I call like central banking activities, right? You can create a token. You can sell that token into the market. Uh, You can sell it to investors. You can have game mechanics where players give you tokens that you, they purchase from other players. And then when you want to turn them into revenue, you sell them into the market. So there's kind of this whole banking trading aspect to it. Um, Again, to the startups all around us, somebody is going to... I I don't know what a crypto-native rewarded ad solution is. All I know is someone is going to figure out what that is. They're going to make a lot of money. should probably talk to Seaford about that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm sure advertising will play a role. So primary, secondary, IAP, advertising, uh, treasury management. Okay clear and then usually the the sales pitch is this like you know i make a sword in the game it's it's always like every time by the way all the examples are always a fucking rpg i make a sword in the game and then people are selling the sword and then i sell it for 10 bucks and then it it changes hands thousand times and i'm taking one dollar out out of every transaction it's going to be like um, you know a thousand more so that's that's usually the uh the the way it's been described to me and it's essentially this fucking flywheel. Like this is what 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 everybody's so excited that you can make one thing and it just keeps on selling, and you're just minting money out of that. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, how easy or difficult it would be to bring these games to mobile? Um. Well, some of, I mean, some of them are there already, right? Like, if one of the things that got me and many people interested in the space is how ridiculously successful and well-distributed Axie is as a side-loaded Android app, right? So it's already on mobile. Upland is a game with NFTs and tokens on it that you can download on the iOS store. So um, I'm currently not familiar with all the platform challenges, and I know that there are going to be more along the way of working with Apple and Google. Um, 
but I don't, it's, it's, it's happening right now. And the challenges are mostly like user experience challenges and friction. And then you know, complying with whatever the rules the platform holders have. So, you know, I've done, I've done two different versions of a real money game. Um, those are challenging to do on the platform, but that's mostly like following the, knowing what the rules are and designing within the rules. So, yep. Um, all right. Um, can these games be made in Unity Unreal? Yes. yes. I'm going to answer making yes. it in Unity right now. Yeah. Like, like, look, come on, guys. It's Better just think, <laughs> th- think about blockchain the same way you think about AWS. Yeah. It's, it's a game. Like, yeah. anything can be. So let's move on. Are there any service available that can take take the the load of blockchain developers the load off yeah the the, load off. this is this is equivalent to the what blockchain platforms are there. oh okay so, okay okay yeah again forte immutable mythical solana flow uh engine polygon mm-hmm. many more there's a lot um, and then how important is decentralized governance for crypto games to succeed? I, what is decentralized governance? Yeah, does this yeah, mean this that is, the assets are liquid and the marketplace is No, liquid? no, this is like, this is its whole own hour. Um, and I'd be oh, really happy huh. to talk. Well, so let's um, think about it. Many, many games in their white paper will talk about how they want to become a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, so it's kind of... It's a really long question to answer, and the um, so I, to I, I don't want to explain too much what DAO is right now. Just think of it kind of like you would think of open source. Think about it like an open source project with a bank account attached to it. That's the mm-hmm. quickest way to get a mental model of it. Um, many projects talk about DAO in their white paper and how they'll be like DAO, and I do not know yet whether it is require essential. Uh, to the success of a blockchain game or not. It's going to be something that's going to take a long time to figure out and be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, thinking about how your game can be a DAO is something that makes you more crypto native than not. And so you as a developer have a personal hypothesis to place around whether you think being crypto native is important to the success of a project or not. All right. Um Gonna jump that off a repeat. over that. Yeah, that was a weird one. Is crypto games? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no. Okay, this is all that we have from the community. Everything else is kind of like not relevant, too deep, or just we've kind of answered it in a different way. So I just want to finish up by talking about the future. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest opportunities and threats? Yeah. Um, I say the threats legislation. That's the biggest threat. Yeah, yeah. I think um, every I've I've brought up countless opportunities um, in terms of not only I've been talking mostly about game support services. Plat, you know, there's no clear platform winner yet, um, nor will there be. I, you know, it's not going to be dominated by one platform. Um, very few genre. There are very few games, and thus very few genres explored right now. Um, so I don't think we can make any assumptions about what genre works in blockchain and doesn't. Uh, basically, the, if the audience is there, any any genre that works in free-to-play can work in blockchain, I think. Um, so yeah, legal compliance, you know, anti-money laundering laws are no joke. Gambling laws are mm-hmm. no joke. 
and wanting to operate um, uh, a game in multiple jurisdictions, you know, running running a game in the United States or Canada or India or Australia is not as easy as federal laws. They're also state by state laws, and this is an area where the legal um, uh, landscape is changing regularly and will change for a long period of time. So, I don't like. I don't think it's going to get regulated out of business. I think that there is a very big danger that um, products on the market are currently doing things that will be found, or where it will be decided that those things were not um, legal, and then they'll get fined very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I look at the regulation. If you if you have the right mindset, it's a it's a threat and it's an opportunity, right? Like imagine figuring out how to easily be the company that does all the accounting and tax statements for all the players on all these different games, right? Mm -hmm. Like the KPMG of blockchain is going to be a publicly traded blue street, blue chip, like multi-billion dollar company of blockchain accounting. Another great business idea. Can you believe Uh, that one (laughs) head can have so many different startup ideas? Neither can my wife. I'm, I mean, I'm now I'm thinking like Ethan just dropped that fucking game idea. Let's let's do uh, Levy Katkoff a uh, fucking <laughs> like you know there's a Price Waterhouse Coopers. Why can't right. he be <laughs> Levy Katkoff and Cress attorneys? Yeah. At oh yeah, I'm <laughs> super. Is that is that a yeah. is that a law firm or a detective agency? I guess uh, it depends uh, on the genre of movie. It's a, it's a hustle. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, okay. Um, so there's a question like, do you think, you know, do you think play to earn will become mainstream? We know that yes. you think it will become yeah. mainstream. Yeah. The question is, do you think it will replace free to play? No, I, I don't think so. The same way that free to play did not replace single player games. Yeah. The, my favorite game that I'm going to play this year is Ratchet and Clank on the PS5. Boom. I love that game. I will buy every mainline Ratchet and Clank they do, right? The majority of the gaming hours I spend this year will be in AFK, AFK. Arena, right? Easy. So free-to-play did not supplant linear storytelling games, and play-to-earn will not supplant free-to-play or um, traditional gaming. It's just another business model that expands the audience and possibilities. And on that note, it's almost 11 p.m. here in beautiful, beautiful Finland. This is dark and cold <laughs> and rainy. There's no well, open carry and no pickup. <laughs> <laughs> and no sweet tea. How's your biscuit and fried chicken game in Helsinki? None. 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 See, None. that's just not a life worth living. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Very good at smoking. Good no, at there's a KFC, first fish. KFC ever. Actually, first KFC ever is opening this year in Finland. <laughs> and we I are bet getting they're giving KFC away their own year. cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> for for KFC tokens. KFC coins. Ethan, beautiful stuff. I feel like way more prepared. You wrote a beautiful article that is coming going to come out. I think I'm going to just publish this and the article at the same time. Awesome. You I are better go copy the, uh, yeah, well, you're officially the uh, the crypto king of DOF, and um, yeah, 
Thank um, you for having I'm gonna me. Go and, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and sleep on this. So awesome. It was um, a lot of fun for, to joke around. With you. <laughs> thank thank you for 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 making this dummy at least a little bit smarter. And on the behalf of the audience as well, thank you. So thanks everybody for listening. Love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Keep the comments coming. Keep the questions coming and. Apply to the DOF Slack group if you have at least five years in the uh, in the industry. So there's a lot of no's. Anyways, uh, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.